Hi, Marcus Pierce here. Exceptional Life Blueprint Live, my signature two-day transformational event, is coming to Melbourne for the very first time and you are invited. Join myself and a tribe of like-minded souls at the Melbourne Convention and Exhibition Centre on June 3 and 4. You will transform every area of your life from mediocre to magnificent and create a blueprint for your life purpose and career, your health, wealth, relationships, spirit and more. Early bird two-for-one tickets are on sale now at melbourne.marcuspierce.com.au forward slash couch. That's melbourne.marcuspierce.com.au forward slash couch. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Sit back, light the fire, kick your shoes off, because it's time for That Paleo Show with your favourite caveman, Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Brett Hill, and this week I'm joined by a lady who really needs no introduction. She's been on That Paleo Show before. She's one of my absolute dear friends. She's not your typical nutritionist. She disagrees with low-fat, low-calorie diets, believes chocolate can be good for you, and thinks cheating and eating yummy food is an important part of a well-balanced diet. Um, She's written several books. She's made a documentary. Um, She has nutrition courses and programs that you can take. She's done just about everything. Welcome to the show, Cindy O'Meara. Thank you, Brett. I appreciate it. I listen to that introduction now and I go, well, that's nothing new anymore, low-fat, you know, chocolate's good for you. But, you know, when I when I started 30 years ago, uh, it was heretic, you know, it was, her, what's the word, heretic, heretic, heretic? <laughs> Not hereditary. No, hereditary. no it's heretic, being <laughs> I know her, what you mean. heretic. It's that's being it. a heretic. That's, that's the word I'm thinking of. <laughs> you know, and it was being a heretic back then. You know, you just, nobody was saying stuff like that, you know. Butter's bad, margarine's good, you know, low fat's good, high fat's bad. And But now... It's changing and it's so exciting to see it. Yeah, well, it is amazing, Cindy, because you have been doing this for a while now and you were really at the forefront of much of what we're talking about in food. Even, you know, even I think now is starting to swing back the other way and we're saying, hey, let's not be too strict on our diet. Let's, you know, let's allow a little bit more flexibility as well. But, you know, there's so many of the messages that you were sharing right from the start about wheat and about, you know, how various foods affect us and, you know, fats and sugars and carbs and, and all of those messages and, and even just the simple things about how to make sustainable changes um, that have just really rung true uh, over the years. So, um, you know, why do you think that is, Sydney? Like, why do you think you were able to sort of cut through all of that stuff and see the, the big picture? I really think it was my upbringing. I, you know, I was brought up by what I would call a hippie mother and father. Even though they didn't look like hippies, they were very conservative in the way they dressed. Like my dad wore a suit. My mum always looked immaculate with gloves and hat on. So, you know, they were very conservative, but their thinking was very, very different. And I'm, my dad was a chiropractor, was a pharmacist first, and then he became a chiropractor back in the 50s. And his whole philosophy was vitalism and that is looking at everything in holistic manner rather than looking down the barrel of a microscope and looking at everything in isolation. And so it was that and then me going to the University of Colorado in Boulder and learning anthropology in my pre-med years at university uh, that I 
I really think it's cemented for me that we have to have philosophy number one and historical perspective number two. So that was all I was doing 33 years ago was my philosophy of vitalism and my historical perspective of cultural anthropology and and the way uh, we ate. And and now, you know, everybody's talking about that. So I was very fortunate. It was it was my upbringing more than anything and having an amazing university lecturer. And, you know, it's funny because philosophy has almost like become a dirty word now, Cindy. You know, we've moved into this age of uh, evidence-based medicine and people are sort of saying, oh, no, it's got to be all about the facts and the figures and you have to look at the double-blind randomized control studies. And, and we've kind of seemed to have lost the importance of philosophy. And I think what we've lost particularly is the understanding that everyone has a philosophy. You know, whether people think they have a philosophy or not, they actually do have a philosophy. And their philosophy actually is guiding the research that's being done. It's guiding the questions they're asking. And so, you know, by sort of throwing the philosophy in the wastebasket and thinking we need to only do science, it seems like we've lost our way and and we're asking the wrong questions. Yeah, I I agree with you. And the other thing that I'm noticing with science is it's actually proving philosophy. (laughs) It's actually proving what, if we look at that historical perspective and we have that philosophy, I'm actually seeing that coming out in science um, over and over and over again. So an example of... But only if you have the philosophical understanding to know where to look and to ask the right questions. Exactly. And (laughs) a lot of people call that cherry picking. But if we we look at um, my um, professor who works for me and who has created the nutrition course that I have, my Functional Nutrition Academy, um, alongside me, you know, he says, and he's a scientist with a PhD in biomedical science, and he has many papers to his name. And he says, you know, Cindy, probably 90% of science cannot be replicated but it leads us to the 10% that we know we can repeat and gives us the most amount of um, change and understanding about health and science and, and, and any other thing that we are researching. So when a scientist is saying that, you realise that you know, we're, we're being bounced from one to the other without a philosophy. We're going, oh, let's go over there. We've become the oh children, like, oh, go over there. Oh, let that diet looks good. And oh, that's, that really looks good. Oh, and that's the latest thing for cancer. And I think if we just have that philosophy, we kind of look at it and in a historical perspective, we actually look at it and go, but that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. How can that be? Is that anywhere else in science? And and that's what I teach in my nutrition courses is how you can decipher and having that philosophy and that historical perspective. It's great, Cindy. Now, I really want to jump in and talk to you about your nutrition course. But before we do that, I'd love to chat to you a little bit about your What's With Wheat documentary. You know, I was just reading your bio on your website. It's not even on there yet, Cindy. You've got to, you've got to jump on there and, and update your bio. Mm-hmm. But, um, but it's been an amazing thing that's happened over the last, well, probably several years, is this What's With Wheat documentary that you've created because you've interviewed some incredible experts from all around the world. And it's really increase people's awareness of wheat exponentially. I mean, I see it in practice all the time, people talking about what they've learnt and uh, and it's really exciting that you're now taking this to the whole world. So, tell us a bit about what's been going on with this documentary. Start from the start. What made you make this documentary, Cindy? Well, I made it because I noticed I was having a problem with wheat and I, I thought, but this doesn't make any sense with historical perspective. So, knowing that 
the the oldest wheat grain is around 23,000 years old, which is called um, einkorn. Knowing that the Australian uh, Aboriginal people have eaten grain for probably up to 50 to 60,000 years, even though there were no gluten grains here in Australia. But I knew that grain was a part of cultural anthropology, a part of becoming um staying in one place as opposed to being hunter gatherers and moving and and i just i questioned how could this be why am i having trouble with of all people i've you know i've not been sick i've not had antibiotics so it's not like anything should have been going wrong but i was really having an issue with weed in many ways mentally and physically so um i just went on a bit of a journey and my husband said to me why don't you do a documentary you've done everything else why don't you do a documentary now and i said what am i going to do a documentary on (laughs) if i did one on my book changing habits changing lives it would end up a 24-hour documentary it would be a docu series (laughs) that's now coming out so what I, I realised that wheat was questioning, I was questioning it, so why didn't I do a documentary on wheat? So I wrote the documentary. I decided who I wanted in the documentary. I did a manifestation on it. I, and I uh, Christmas Eve I had got a video together and I sent it to the most, to I think it was about 15 people that I wanted in my documentary. And by Christmas Eve we sent it out, by Christmas Day, um, at the end of Christmas Day, I had three people, three key people say, yes, we'd love to be in it, and that was Dr. Terry Walls from The Walls nice. Protocol. Yep, Vandina Shiva, who is an activist and, and the most amazing um, human being and her knowledge of um, ecology and ecological farming. Um, so I had her and I – three women. It was amazing. And I had um, um, – Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride, they were my three. And from there I then told the ones that I wanted on the documentary (laughs) that these three were available and were in it. The only person, well, there were two people that I really wanted on it that I didn't get, and one was Dr. William Davies. He actually answered me and said, I can't do it. Um, and the other one was Alessio Fasano, who, oh, my gosh, I wanted him so bad. And he did not even answer our emails. And I finally met Alessio last April after I'd finished the filming and almost the editing of the film. And I said, why didn't you answer my emails? I really wanted you. He said, I never got them, Cindy. Oh, no. Yeah. So I interviewed him. I did an audio interview with him, which is um, an extra on top of it because he's just like he's fabulous. He, he's just brilliant. So yeah, I know you went and saw him uh, in Australia with Steph, my partner, and uh, and she's just been raving about him ever since. She said that that weekend of I can't remember who else you heard that weekend, but there was some author. It might have been uh, David Perlmutter. I have a feeling, but it was yep. just an amazing weekend by the sound of it. Some pretty intense information. I reckon it was, um, apart from my nutrition summit that I do every year, um, I would say that that was the second best. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I had the best one last year. I just had the most amazing speakers. But, yeah, I agree with Steph. Um, We had brilliant Alessio. We had Perlmutter. We had Mark um, Houston, who's a cardiologist. Uh, We had a GP that was an integrative GP. There was a nutritionist there, Deanna Minich. So uh, there was some brilliant speakers that really gave some valuable information, especially on autoimmune disease, heart disease, um, microbiome problems that we're having. So, yeah, I was a kid. I think Steph and I were both, um, we're just 
we're in our element and just loving it so much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It looks like lots. Of, looked like lots of fun. I think I missed out on that one. But um, Cindy, tell us a bit about what's going on with America with What's With Week because you were telling me about this a little bit off air, and it's super exciting. Yeah, we've been picked up by um, American North American Netflix. So we'll be spending, my husband and I will be spending quite a bit of time in the US over the next four months. It starts May 21st um, on Netflix and they give you three months. And so we've decided we are going to go to America and just um, promote it. So we're not only doing screenings, we're doing screenings in New York, Boston, California, Atlanta, Georgia, Chicago, I think they're our key places we'll be doing screenings because my amazing presenters that are on the documentary live in those places and we want them at our forum after the documentary, but also to get on on radio, television, mm-hmm. magazines, what it, you know, on newspapers as much as we can across the media so that people know to go to Netflix in order to, you know, to watch What's With Week. They can watch it online now. But people play, pay for Netflix now and they don't want to pay another $7 to watch mm. something. They want to see it on Netflix. So we're very excited, very, very excited. That's great. It's super exciting, Cindy, because it just means that it's just taking off around the world. And as we know, when the Americans start doing something, you know, Australia generally follows and other countries all around the world generally follow. So it's great that that information, you know, starting from little old Australia is just spreading out to the rest of the world. Um, Now, uh, Cindy, let's move on and start talking about your education programs. Uh, I've started doing one of your courses and it's really exciting. I'm, I'm I've been a bit of a slack student at the moment. I'm still on the first module, but I'm loving it. And I'm loving it because, as you said, we're starting by talking about all of that philosophy. So tell us a little about your education programs and what made you decide to create those. It started as something quite small. It really did, Brad. I I had so many people come up to me and say, I want to know what you know. I want to teach like you teach. But there's nowhere that I know to go to that um, – explains how you explain things and so I was yeah (laughs) it's a constant frustration for people who want to study nutrition they want to learn more about food they want to learn more about biochemistry all of those things but if they go to a you know what quote unquote the reputable educational institutions at the moment they they don't teach that kind of stuff they don't teach eating the way that we talk about and eating the way that we eat and then if you go to I guess some of the other courses available out there they're not always as reputable they're not always as evidence-based they're not always as you know in-depth and and, you know factually based as we'd like them to be and there was kind of nothing in between that blended both the worlds was there no there wasn't and even though I looked and I I, I've actually sent people across to New York to the IIN um, because I didn't know of anything else and I knew that there were lots of people that I followed that were lecturers in there so I would I would send them there but then people would say but I didn't learn anything I, I I did the what did they call it the the I would call it the oop diet stuff so they'd go from vegan to vegetarian to paleo to keto to low fat to un <laughs> so they never got that understanding and so that was you know one reason why I decided I need to do one for myself and I would send them to another one but it, that one went for four years and some people just didn't want and or, or didn't want to study for four years they just wanted it succinctly put into uh a conversation that's evidence-based that can help them understand how they help their family. So that was the beginning of it. And I kept looking at it and I, I, I didn't know where to start, how to do it. I'm not a lecturer. I'm a speaker. I'm not a professor. I'm, I'm someone who does things very practically. 
so I I thought, how am I going to do this? I have to find somebody. So I ended up getting um, a friend of mine who's a school teacher to come. I flew her to me and I said, right, we're going to have a day and we're going to sort out how we're going to do this based on what I would love to teach. So that was the beginning of it. And then I'm a big a big manifesto. I do it in a 10-step process and I've always done it. And so I went, right, who's the person that I need in order to write this course? And I wrote it down. And when we put it out on uh, our social media and we put it out on Seek and we put it out with our um, resources manager, when we did that, the first person I interviewed ticked every single box. And I just didn't want to actually interview anybody else, but I had to, you know, because we put it out there and we had to do the interview process. And that was Dr. Stephen Myers. And I tell you what, he and I sat together for a year and wrote that course. And he challenged me and I challenged him. And I remember one day he was listening to me have a conversation because we were right next to each other. He was listening to me have a conversation. And Um, I was talking to a person who had type 1 diabetes and she was really struggling with putting fat back into her diet. Fat was one of her problems. Mm. And so he comes into me and he says, one of the things we do realize, Cindy, is that saturated fat can um, reduce the sensitivity of insulin receptors. And I went, really? He said, yeah. I said, well, there has to be an evolutionary reason for that. So, of course, being the scientist he was and me questioning what he was saying, he went back um, that night. He went home and studied for hours. And he came in and he said, oh, and he found about 40,000 references on saturated fat and evolution, Cindy. We're good. We know exactly where to go. <laughs> and and then we worked it out and we were able to put that into the course. So it was it was me always questioning, well, why does that do that? And, you know, it can't be. We've been eating it for thousands of years. There has to be an evolutionary reason for it. And so um, we did that the whole way through the whole year. We would – I loved it. I I was challenged by him in so many ways, and I know he was challenged by me. But <laughs> together we, we put this course together, and um, it's gone worldwide. Um, we have people that have just graduated in the U.K., in the U.S., um, throughout Europe, South America – so we're really excited that people are really seeing that the courses is something that can be practical and can give them a lead in. I actually have dietitians doing the course um, because they, they, they don't agree with what they're being taught, which is where I was. I, was ne- I never agreed with what I was taught through my Bachelor of Science where I majored in nutrition, you know, to go on and do a diploma of dietetics because that's what it was 34 years ago. I just thought, I don't agree with any of this. I, I can't believe they're teaching this stuff. You know, margarine, low fat, um, peg feeds were just disgusting. I thought, how can you make somebody well feeding them this crap? You know, can't we make real food and feed it through a peg? Um, so yeah, these were the these were the things that um, I questioned, and and that's how the course came to be. Is it, it started off as just something I wanted to teach people and then what happened is that you get halfway through the first year and I have students going all right Cindy we want to we want to be able to do this not to our family we want to make this into our community we want to teach the community so then we began a business course to help people create a business from it Uh, and and then we do a weekend where I share how they can take it into their community because really 
who taught nutrition was probably the mums through from the great grandmother told the grandmother told the mother told the daughter told the granddaughter told the great granddaughter and culture and tradition was passed on we've lost that we've lost how to feed ourselves. People think that lean cuisine and breakfast cereals and cheese sandwiches with plastic cheese in the middle of it and margarine is a healthy way of eating. They've lost the art of how do you make a breakfast um, from scratch? How did we used to eat breakfast? How did our ancestors eat? And I'm not saying we have to go back to our hunter-gatherer agricultural age. We can live a modern lifestyle but still make the body believe it's living a hunter-gatherer or agricultural lifestyle. And that's what we have to do is that disevolution is something that Lieberman talked about at Harvard University where culture is driving our biological evolution. And when culture drives biological evolution is when uh, we start to get sick. And I think people are waking up to that, Brett. You know, I know, I know you woke up very, very early on and um, I love all the things that you do, uh, you know, your grounding and your the way you eat. You know, I've had a meal with your kids and you. It was just, it was one of the most treasured meals I've had, I have uh-huh. to tell you that. Yeah, it was just such a joy. Uh, and just watching what you're doing now, you know, getting on land and and making sure you get sunshine and your exercise regime is making the body believe that it is a hunter-gatherer as opposed to, you know, doing deadlifts, um, which sometimes can – I guess we did le- deadlifts when we, we lifted rocks for some reason, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I reckon deadlifts are okay. I still do deadlifts because I reckon you know you've got to you've got to get that carcass from the ground up over your shoulder somehow. You know. Yeah, so. you're right. Yeah, <laughs> maybe deadlifts wasn't quite what I was thinking. Um, there were there's some exercises that I've oh. seen the paleo crew go and go. Oh my gosh, we would never have done this. This is what yeah, we right. would have done. Pretty much yeah. any of those machines you find in the gym. You know, the, yeah. any of those machines you see on daytime TV. Just imagine, yeah. just imagine a hunter gatherer sitting on it doing that little <laughs> you know butt swivel thing. <laughs> Like it's, yeah. it's, just, it's quite hilarious. Or the vibration. Yeah. Or the vibration. Unless it was an earthquake, maybe that's where we would have that vibration. <laughs> hey, Cindy, you know, you've spoken so much about these nutrition courses and, and how yours is so different to everything else that's out there. And, I mean, we've been talking about this for so long. I mean, even for me, and I've been doing this a lot less amount of time than you, Cindy, but we've been talking about this for so long. Like, how long is it going to take and what's it going to take for, I guess, the quote-unquote mainstream education, the education that the dietitians are getting to start catching up with the sort of information that you're sharing? Do, do you think it's going to come from eventually those in- educational institutions catching up or do you think it's going to be courses like yours driving the demand and then having them say, hey, we're missing out here, we might need a change as well? I think it's both. Uh, Like Dr. Stephen Myers now, um, even though he's head of education, he works at a university down in Tasmania and he's teaching nutritionists. And because of his year with me, he's starting to make changes in the nutrition program. So that's exciting. That is really exciting. His girlfriend, Sue, is about to go and finish her. She's a microbiologist, but she wants to have her dietetics degree. So she's about to go to a university near you and do her dietetics degree. And I said to Sue, I said, it's going to frustrate you. With all your knowledge and what you know, it's going to frustrate you. But it'll be her 
that makes those changes in the dietetics program because she'll start to ask the questions. And even um, young girls and guys in the um, Bachelor of Science program up here at USC are questioning what they're being taught. So I think it it, it is, one, there will be professors out there that want to make changes. Two, there'll be students that will demand change. And three, it will be courses like mine that, uh, and and we are, you know, at the moment working towards it becoming more than just a, um, something that is accredited by an international body, but accredited by the Australian um, education. And I tell you what, it's not being easy because they want us to teach the food pyramid. They yeah. want us to teach all of those things. But we just have to go in there and say, this is not what we're teaching. This is what we're teaching. And I think that people like me who are driving that change um, will be part of this this change that is going to happen. It, and, it, and when the food industry stops supporting um, the education, of the DAA, like I just saw somebody put up a picture in my pro, in my education program, and it was a picture of Kellogg supporting graduates out of the dietetics degrees, um, and you know supporting them in their education and the package that I think it had breakfast cereals and I don't know a protein bar. I can't remember what was in it, but it's just when that stops, I think we will see a, a change. But more, I believe it's a grassroots movement. I believe people are sick of being sick, that what they're being told is not working and they're looking for an alternative and it's them that will drive this change. And I have never seen it like it is today, I, you know, and I've been in this a long time, over three decades, and it's exciting. That's all I can say. It's yeah. really, really exciting. Well, I think what we're seeing is it's coming into the mainstream. You know, whether it's stuff like your What's With Wheat documentary getting onto Netflix, you know, people like Pete Evans getting it onto, you know, onto the news every night and onto the, you know, controversial stories and all those, you know, as much as it can be rubbish sometimes, it, it's getting a message out there into the mainstream that's really important. So, you know, it is starting to become more common and more popular to see these sort of uh, messages getting out there, which is really exciting. Yeah, and I think Pete's been a really big driver. Um, he gets hell, and thank you, Pete, for taking it for all of us. Oh, isn't it great? Thanks, Pete. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, we just got to thank him because he does take the flack for all of us. We all think the same. We all talk about it. Like we might have, you know, different we, – we might be different in a few things, but our philosophy is the same. Let's just eat real food. Let's yeah. just let the body realise, this evolutionary body realise that – it's we, we've got to go back to those ways, you know, bare feet, on the ground, um, sunshine, exercise, contact with humans and real food and chiropractic care, of course, because we live in such a stressful world. So, you know, it's all of these things that I believe that um, I thank Pete. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I really thank him. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, Cindy, before we go, I'd love you to talk a little bit about the difference between some of the courses you offer because um, you've got the introduction to nutrition course, you've then got the functional nutrition course and you've got the microbiome course. So particularly, I guess, the difference, what's the difference between the introduction to nutrition and the functional nutrition? So the introduction to nutrition is uh, it, it's a, a shorter course. It, uh, it, I developed, that was the, the course that I developed Years and years ago, before I realized I needed to be um, more, uh, what's the word, really in-depth 
So this is just an introductory course that helps people understand changing habits and changing lives, which is is my book. A lot. So there's audio, there is video, and there's reading, but there's not the assessment. And um, it hasn't been accredited. It's just a quick, short course to help people enter into this world of different nutrition as opposed to the guide, the, the dietary guidelines. So that's that one. And you can probably do that within a 10 to 12-week period. The Functional Nutrition Academy um, nutrition course is 12 months and there are 12 modules and it is evidence-based and it really goes into depth and we start with philosophy and vitalism um, and and um, looking at an historical perspective so we look at anthropology and food trends and then nutrition in the 21st century and and then we look at that disevolution and how this is creating uh, ill health um, within the communities that are in a cultural drive as opposed to a biological drive. So we also look at cholesterol and and ha- historically how it um, has been seen and how it actually works in our body and the importance of it. We look at sugar and salt because there are these are other things that are getting the um, getting a bit of negative press and and salts had a negative press for a long long time. But we look at them and we look at their role in in our life. So the ketogenic diet at the moment is very big. But why were we? Why do we have the basis of eating glucose um, and carbohydrates and using that as an energy source? Why is that there? So we we actually delve into that because I, what I see happening, Brett, is I see extremes all the time. Mm. You know, and and I think these extremes are when things um, become a problem. But if we just stay in a non-extreme manner, extremes definitely for therapeutic use, but for everyday eating, I think we need to really stay away from some of these extremes that I'm seeing at the moment. And the low-fat, high-carbohydrate was a, a, a very good example of that, yeah. um, of the extremity. So that's the Functional Nutrition Academy um, nutrition course, which is, you know, it is in-depth and and people will learn a lot in that. Then what we do is once you've graduated from that, we're starting to do 10-week courses that go more in-depth into those subjects. So one of the courses that is now, uh, that we're now doing is on the microbiome because, and that will be a course that changes all the time because as we learn, we want to put that into the course. So that's the microbiome course. The next course that we will be um, introducing, and that will probably not still in 2018, is epigenetics and nutrigenomics, uh, which is a new field of science that oh, I absolutely I absolutely love. And uh, more and more people are realizing that food is not just about energy and not just about building blocks, but it actually is a communication to our genes. And so we'll be talking about that as well. So that will be in the next course. So, yeah, we're, we're introducing them step by step. But the main one is that uh, Functional Nutrition Academy nutrition course. Yeah, beautiful. Well, it's a great course, Cindy. As I said, I am, I'm starting it. I'm, I'm getting into it. I've got a bit more work to do, uh, but I'm really enjoying it. I've already found the first section just totally different to anything else I've come across in terms of really, as you said, that philosophy that shines through that, that really gives it a real sense of purpose and a real sense of direction um, and really resonates with me in terms of the way I think about health and life and food. So, it's a great course. Um, if people want to find out more about it, they can actually go to that paleoshow.com forward slash nutrition. 
nutrition um, and we'll have lots of details there and links to go through to those courses um, if you want to find out more about Cindy you can go to changinghabits.com.au and find out all about all her amazing products and foods and um, the, the documentaries the books that she's written everything all the courses it's all there so thank you so much for coming back on the show today Cindy it's so good to have you on we'll have to get you on again soon because I love chatting to you probably my favorite health person in the world I reckon Cindy so maybe Kim Morrison but you know you're right up there people know for them to go to that link that you've just said yeah and um because we have a limited number uh, every um, we only take two intakes a year. So the next intake is July. Nice. And I would recommend that people, if they're really interested, to go to the link that you've said and at least say that they're interested in getting more information um, on the July intake. So, um, yeah, like I said, it's limited. It's only two intakes a year. And um, if people really are keen to do it with you, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, with you, then join in with me. They can ask questions. We can chat about it on Facebook. That'd be great. Um, Even even in the back end, there's there's lots of commentary and chat going on between all the students who are doing it, which is great. So it's very cool. It's a very cool uh, program you've developed, Cindy. Well done. So uh, just a reminder that paleoshow.com forward slash nutrition. You'll find out all the details. Thanks for coming on board, Cindy. Thanks, Brett. So until next week, join the conversation on Facebook, give us a five-star rating on iTunes, join our newsletter list at thatpaleoshow.com and let's help grow the paleo tribe worldwide. Join us next week on That Paleo Show. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.